on a previous edition of Fooked on Sports. The New York Knicks, they hired Tom Thibodeau as their head coach. Ladies and gentlemen, the Knicks have hope. This is an absolutely sensational hire. This is going to be a buttoned-up team, a buttoned-up defensive team. This team uh, now, now we know that the team is fully committed to actually rebuilding and working toward the future, and not constantly mortgaging the future on an annual basis. The, the Knicks are most successful when when they are a strong defensive team. That and. That was how they got to the NBA Finals twice in the 90s. And Thibodeau was an assistant on that 99 Knicks Finals team that had no business of making it to the, uh, going to the Finals, but they did. The Knicks, they were a dreadful defensive team um, t- during these last 20 years when when the Knicks have been so bad. I think w- when the Knicks are, are, are a defensive team, that, that's when they're most successful. It's going to be fun in a few year, in a few years from now when, when you have the home crowd finally revved up. You finally have a team that that Knicks fans can be proud of. I can't wait for the future of the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hooked on Sports here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting streaming services. My name is John Flynn. Thank you so very much for listening in this week. I know this is usually a, a day later than what I usually post, but... I purposely waited a day late for this because we have so much to get into today, and it, it, it's just, um, it, it, there's a lot of st- stuff to get into. We're, we're, we're going to get into some Major League Baseball stuff, we're going to get into the NFL Draft, and what and some draft ramblings around the NFC East, we're going to get into... What I think the Buffalo Bills should do in the NFL draft if they if they want to go to a Super Bowl this season. So we have a lot to get into, but first, I have to start with the New York Knicks. The New York Knickerbockers. And we'll do that after this message. The coronavirus took its toll on human life in 2020, but just because 2020 is over and that a vaccine has been approved for emergency use doesn't mean that the threat of COVID-19 is gone. Please remember to wear your masks and maintain a six-foot physical distance from others while you can, and if you're sick, don't go to work or school. You can mask up and you can save lives. But we must also add to that previous announcement that anybody over the age of 16 can now get vaccinated against this deadly virus. It is up to us to stop this pandemic. Let's get vaccinated so we can get back to doing the things we love. How about the New York Knicks? What what once thought as afterthoughts as having their own problems. Now they're giving teams problems. Eight game winning streak, longest winning streak they've had in seven years. The, the Knicks are playing an incredibly cohesive level of professional basketball. And as a Knicks fan, this is so much fun to watch. But because, let, 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 let's face it, and LeBron James said, said recently in a quote that the NBA is better when the Knicks are relevant. And guess what? The Knicks are relevant that they took over sole possession of fourth place in the Eastern Conference with a scintillating 137 to 127 victory over the Atlanta Hawks last night at Madison Square Garden and you you could feel the energy you 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 could feel the anticipation go go going into that basketball game last night because the Knicks knew they needed to win this game, and and, and basketball fans uh, knew watching this game that if the Knicks are to be taken seriously, they needed to win games like they did last night. And think about what the Knicks had to overcome. They had to overcome injuries to Nerlens Noel, who eventually came back 
and contributed in the fourth quarter in overtime. Taj Gibson, who has been excellent on defense, he he, he went down to an injury and, did, and wound up not returning. We're going to have to see some more result, uh, more testing for M- M- Mr. Gibson. But but the the whole cohesive unit, J- Julius Randle, and I mean, what could we say about Julius Randle? Another 40-point game against the Atlanta Hawks this season. 40 points in, 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 the, in the victory. Derrick Rose was excellent before fouling out, and I, I, I got nervous uh, the, the moment he fouled out because uh, he, he, he is a tremendous asset for Tom Thibodeau run, run basketball teams. And we're going to get into Tom Thibodeau in just a second. Um, that that R J Barrett has been fantastic. That uh, that uh, Emmanuel quickly ha- was excellent. He drained a couple of threes late in, in the game on Wednesday night. Everything uh, came to full circle for for the Knicks on on, on Wednesday night against against Atlanta and. And look, and look uh, what the Knicks also overcame was it uh, uh, was a 22 rebound performance from Clint Capella, and Clint Capella was the best offensive rebounder in in the NBA entering last night's game. He came up with like five or six offensive rebounds. He he was tremendous. Trey Young uh, dominated the first uh, uh, the the first half and into the second half before he went down with an injury and and uh, and the and the way he went down did not look good for Atlanta and 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 I, I wish him all the best and the NBA needs more players like Trey Young playing uh, on on a more regular basis. But everything the Knicks uh, have have done ties in to what the, to the hire of Tom Thibodeau. And remember what I said. Uh, back in June, when 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 the Knicks uh, Knicks were looking at their head coaching search, the number one choice I had uh, for for the, for the Knicks for the job was Tom Thibodeau, and, and and the results have only shown for themselves. Tom Thibodeau is one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA. He he knows the craft of the NBA. He knows how to win in the NBA. Derrick Rose has been has been excellent since coming over in a trade with Detroit. Julius Randle's game and we 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 saw some flashes and potential last season. He he needed to get get things right, and and we we saw him develop a little bit under Mike Miller, but by about having a having a fundamentally sound coach like 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 um, Tom Thibodeau. Uh, available at his disposal uh, to, uh, to Im- improve his his game and you, 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 using the entire time he had off uh, because of the COVID pause and the Knicks not being invited to the to the bubble to further his craft and, and, and play a great uh, play a an MVP caliber brand of, of basketball. He's not going to wind up being the MVP when it's all said and done. It's going to be Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. But 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 the Knicks cannot stop here. They're, they're right now at thirty three and twenty seven. They are a season high six games over five hundred. That they they have three three more home games left uh, uh, before uh, on the homestand. They have Toronto on Saturday. They have a showdown with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Phoenix Suns on Monday night, and then and and then they play Chicago on Wednesday night next week before they go on a six game road trip with. With road games in Denver, Phoenix, the Clippers, and the Lakers, who will have LeBron and Anthony Davis back in the in the lineup, and and they're they're just gonna fine tune their game for the playoffs. So it is so while it's great to uh, to celebrate that the Knicks are back, that they have a real coach, and and, and the Knicks are doing this w- w- without much real talent around them. That this is a young team, and. And I'm going to ref- reference the Baby Bombers um, when I talk about the Yankees later in the podcast. But these are the Baby Knickerbockers. This is a young team. This this team is fun to watch. They are well coached. And nothing in basketball is better than the Knicks being relevant. When was the last time we got to say that? About my New York Knicks. Your New York Knicks. Our New York Knicks. You gotta love sports, guys. That was some tremendous stuff on the Knicks. So, 
Th- there are some th- things that I would consider for the Giants to do with the 11th overall pick in the NFL draft. And now, there are ramblings, and Ian Rappaport of the NFL.com reported that the Giants are thinking about trading down well, from 11 to, a- to another team, potentially. And... We're going to get into everything uh, concerning the Giants and, and all and all, and all the teams in my NFL draft mock draft uh, podcast next week. But I I think there there are a few names that I think the Giants should consider and and I think there are three positions that I think the Giants should really consider and I I, I went ballistic about the Cowboys and, and 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 them reluctant to draft uh potentially reluctant to draft defense with the with the tenth overall pick. But I think even with the Giants signing Kenny Galladay, I still think the Giants could could use another wide receiver in the NFL draft, and th- th- there I think there's going to be some tremendous names out there, but potentially with the 11th overall pick, I I, I would have to imagine that at least one of Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith will be available with the 11th overall pick, and and I think either one would represent a significant upgrade over uh, what 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 the Giants had, and this includes. Uh, uh, the Kenny Galladay signing. So, I, I I think a potential wide receiving core with with the top three of Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Devontae Smith would be dreamy. I think a potential wide receiver trio of Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Jalen Waddle would be dreamy. Uh, but I also uh, look at the linebacker position and. But Blake Martinez, I thought, was very, very good last year. But if the Giants want want to take the next step, he cannot be the best linebacker on, on the New York Football Giants. And I I think the most obvious name is Micah Parsons if he's available at number eleven. I I think it's uh, I I think he is the, uh, clearly the number one linebacker in in this year's draft. And I've always argued the Giants need need linebackers and. That, that that was how the Giants won their championships in the late '80s and early '90s with uh, with uh, guys like Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, and, and company. But I I I I think that I I would like some of those names, but I I think the Giants need to go uh, need to look at the offensive line as well and. and Rashawn Slater is a name that that comes to mind with the eleventh overall pick. I don't think Penny Sewell will be available at number eleven. He's definitely going to go to, to a team like the Cincinnati Bengals or the Carolina Panthers or heck, the, maybe the Atlanta Falcons at four. Maybe the Denver Broncos give Drew Locke some more protection with the ninth overall pick. But if I was to venture a guess. On where I think the Giants are going to go in the NFL draft, if if the if they're going to go, if it's between wide receiver, linebacker, and tackle, I, I I would put some more bets that I think the Giants will take the best available tackle with the 11th overall pick in the NFL draft. Should they keep the pick and and, and use it to uh, fill one of those pressing needs? But then there's also this quotient uh, with, with the Giants and. That this all ties in with the process with Dave Yellowman and uh, and the Giants. That that I I think the way he approached the off season, I I think it he, uh, it, it it was an approach uh, that signified that Dave Gettleman knows he's going to get fired if the if the Giants don't improve this year and the Giants are going to go in another direction and. Yeah, uh, so you, you you know the the Giants uh, t- take uh, take Saquon Barkley with the number two overall pick in twenty eighteen, where they where that uh, where he he, it pro- he he proved he can't stay healthy. You could, um they, they picked Daniel Jones with the sixth overall pick, I, I and then they pick um Andrew Thomas with the number four overall pick, and not not my preferred tackle, but offensive line was an area of need for the Giants and. And the 2019 that Mike Shula and Pat Shermer had no idea what the hell they were doing with that offense. Um, and I bet the Giants to draft Isaiah Simmons with a number four overall pick that he he wound up going to 
Arizona at number eight, and, and Steve Kime uh, brilliantly snagged him at that. So I, I think this is a, a this is a pivotal draft for Dave Gettleman of the New York Football Giants, and I I, I like the fact that Joe Judge is going to play a significant role in, in the draft process this year. The Giants have six picks um, as, uh, as of now. We can change. Uh, de- de- depending on on the draft day trades, so th- th- there is a, a significant window of opportunity for the Giants to uh, t- uh, to get better. So I I, th- I think if if, if the, the the Giants are going to uh, it, um, make improvements, I I think they really need to look at wh- where they can get the best value uh, in, in the later rounds with their second round pick, with their third round pick, because I think there are a lot of names out there, uh, that, um, m- might be undervalued because th- there, there are so many at that particular position. And also figuring that, that, that five quarterbacks potentially, uh, could go in the, in the, in the first eight or nine picks as, as I, as I laid out that scenario last week. Uh, five to five um, quarterbacks, two tackles, and two wide receivers potentially off the board for the Cowboys at ten. So I, I uh, but but then there's also the, the, this thing: do, do the Giants trade down and acquire more draft capital for the future to uh, to uh, to draft more guys that that can, that can fit into to the culture that Joe Judge brilliantly changed last season and. I and I think the, the Giants needed to get Joe Judge in in uh, in the uh, in in the situation as much as as possible because Joe Judge is the one that's coaching them up. Pat, uh, um, and that um that that they they can co- they can coach him up on offense and defense. Jason Grant, uh, Jason Garrick and. I can coach him up on offense. Patrick Graham, an excellent defensive coordinator, and 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 he was one of the, uh, to me he was one of the front runners for assistant coach of the year last year with how he changed that Giants defense. So the the at this point I still believe the Giants are the third best team in the NFC East behind Washington and Dallas. But if they play their cards right, I think the the Giants could be in for an important draft, and and could and that could be one where Dave Gettleman's fate might be decided at the end of the twenty twenty one season. So I'm very interested to to see what the Giants will do at eleven. I'll get I'll give my take ne- next week on the on the mock draft special. But I wanted to get into another NFC East team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And this conversation about the Eagles comes on the heels of Nick Sirianni's press conference where where he he meets with draft prospects on Zoom and and plays them to to rock, paper, scissors uh, to, to gauge competition. Now... The, the, there, are, there are some inspirations, I, I believe, uh, that that are behind this. And uh, you, uh, if if this was last year, you you could reference the Michael Jordan documentary, the scene um, wh- where Michael Jordan w- w- would play cards and gamble, and w- went and and had that casino scene after lo- losing the first two games of the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals to the Knicks. And then, uh, and then the Bulls went four straight on their way to the, uh, to uh, completing their first three peat. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles uh, here uh, are, are, are to me are are less advanced to, toward building a better team than the Giants are, and and uh, and I think the Eagles are in the worst position of any team in the division. But, but let, let's take a look at what I think the Eagles need to uh, need to think about with the 12th overall pick in uh, in, in in this year's draft. I, I think the Eagles have a ton of issues: a wide receiver, secondary, linebackers, and 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 I I I, I like Jalen Hurts right, right now with uh, as the quarterback right now. But for Nick Sirianni to say that Jalen Hurts isn't, uh, they can't, he can't name him the starting quarterback. I mean, did Nick Sirianni see the tape last year? J- Jalen Hurts was significantly better 
than, than Carson Wentz. And th this should not be an indictment on Carson Wentz for for any stretch of the imagination. That his wide receivers were terrible. His offensive line couldn't stay healthy. Carson Wentz is going to have a completely different uh, uh, d different feel. Uh, when he goes, uh, when when he go, when he's with the Indianapolis Colts next year, and why I believe the Indianapolis Colts are going to win 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 the division, but that that that's a story not related to uh, to uh, to well uh, who the twelfth overall pick is going to be for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, because that the Eagles are, to me are a mess. But if they want to give um, Jalen Hurts the, the best opportunity to succeed. And, and and this year uh, it was more about Jalen Hurts uh, taking charge and and uh, and and seizing control of this offense. Although Nick Nick Sirianni does, I just have no idea if uh, if he's going to uh, be be the guy for the Eagles going forward. And I and I thought some of his press conferences were mind boggling. But anyway, I I think the Eagles need to take the best wide receiver available at number twelve. If if the Giants pass on Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle and and, and and wide receivers there at number 12, you absolutely take Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, whatever uh, pre previous teams do. Because um, because you, you, you can argue about about a, a quarterback's talent and, is that, and, and the talent they bring to the table, whether it's, whether it's size, speed, strength. But... but as we as we've seen in the past that uh, that quarterbacks can't do it alone as as important as they are that uh, I've I've argued the four main components of championship winning teams and and and, th and this denominator ha has been true for for the last tw at least the last f 15 years of me watching football the, the 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 four the four key traits of all championship winning teams are coaching Quarterback who does not turn the ball over, offensive line, uh, strong offensive line, both pa pa pass and, uh, and block, and 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 the front seven of the defense. I think those are the four main components uh, of a championship winning team. That I don't know if they have the coaching. I don't think Nick Sirianni is going to be the answer, but uh, but we have to give him a chance uh, at the NFL level to uh, to to see how he can, how he can change the culture. The quarterback Jalen Hurts, I, I think he, I think he's talented, but uh, but he, he he does have athletic ability, but off offensive line can't stay healthy. We'll have to see. Um, uh, we'll have to see more uh, about Lane, if Lane Johnson can can bounce back from injury and and, and succeed in twenty twenty one. And also the the defensive line, the, the 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 front four, I I think is really solid with uh, with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. But I, I just think the Eagles desperately need a linebacker too. So, I, I, I think that the, the Eagles should go after a wide receiver or a linebacker uh, with with a 12th overall pick, whether it whether it's Micah Parsons from Penn State, and and, and I, I think it would it would be great uh, for Micah Parsons to stay in Pennsylvania to, to translate from his collegiate career to the NFL level. So, so that that's what I would do if I'm Harry Roseman and. And Harry Roseman is is, uh, is going to have has a lot of pressure too. That I I that you credit Harry Roseman for brilliantly building that championship winning team a, f a few years ago. But, but he he is under a mental uh, immense amount of pressure to to get this draft right and get this draft pick right now. That he he passed on Jalen Rager, uh, you know, he he passed on Justin Jefferson and drafted. Jalen Rager with a twenty-first overall pick, and Justin Jefferson was the uh, was in the conversation for, for rookie of the year, and I, and I would have argued he would have been offensive rookie of the year had it not been for Justin Herbert. So I I I think the Eagles need 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 to get this right and, and draft a guy who actually fits their needs because because the, the two positions of a desperate need that they the 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 guys I mentioned will, will bring a sensational amount of value uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and, and much and a much needed injection of talent of uh, for a much depleted wide receiving core or linebacker position wherever the Philadelphia Eagles go so 
Uh, so so the, the the Giants and the Eagles, I, and I think the way the NFC East maneuvers around each other, I think it's going to be a fascinating scene um, on draft night, which is a, one week from tonight, one week from of the recording date of this podcast. So I, I want to look into why I think the Buffalo Bills are, should go after a running back with the 30th overall pick in, in this year's draft. And, and I, I, I think a guy like Travis Etienne makes a lot of sense for the Buffalo Bills. And I, I, I thought, uh, with lo- looking at the Buffalo Bills, I, I thought their defense grossly underperformed last year, particularly in, in the playoffs. Uh, but I, I, I think the, the, the uh, Brandon Bean has said some very intelligent things over the week, uh, over the last week. In the in the lead up to to next next week's draft, so, so, but I I think imagine an offense where you have Josh Josh Allen and Travis Etienne and and Josh Allen's booming arm with with the wide receivers with uh with Cole Beasley and company making catches once again with. Oh, in, in Brian Dable's offense, I I I think uh, a, a running back uh, is a position where I think you need a, a desperate upgrade. But I I'm not in in the in the uh, I, I'm not of the opinion that that a running back should be taken in the first round. But in the case of the Bills and uh, uh, what what they've been able to do, um, th- th- this offseason season. Uh, that has been tremendous, and Brandon Bean's one of the smartest guys out there, and 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 I think and I would assume a guy like Najee Harris will be taken off the board early because I I think a team is is going to look for a, an upgrade at the running back position. I, I will we'll have to see what the Jacksonville Jaguars do with their not not the number one overall pick because they're taking Trevor Lawrence, but. The the Rams pick they got back in the Jalen Ramsey trade are are they going to draft um, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or or is it is a team like the Miami Dolphins who who have the uh, who have an uh, the, with with their own draft pick uh, and I I believe they have the 18th overall pick or a team like the Jets uh, you, uh, you know maybe. Maybe go the route the Dallas Cowboys did a few years ago and and draft a quarterback and a running back uh, the same year to start together with Dak and Zeke. Maybe you do that with Zach uh, with Zach Wilson and 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 whatever whatever else they decide to do. But I don't think the Jets are going to go uh, go that route because I I think they're going to take a tackle uh, with the twenty with with the twenty third overall pick, which which by the way is the Seattle pick with the Jamal Adams trade. So a, a lot of these teams in in late in the first round, and I and we we haven't touched upon those yet because a lot of the focus uh, to me has been on the first ten to fifteen picks, like what the Patriots are going to do at number fifteen, or are they going to hold out and, and hope a quarterback like Mister Mac Jones falls to them? And and, and by the way, I, I would argue a sec, uh, I would put a, a an extra quarterback. Uh, at, with the first round draft grade and and Kyle Trask, I think Kyle Trask is going to be an outstanding quarterback in, in this league. And remember, Kyle Trask was in the conversation for uh, uh, for the Heisman. He was one of the four finalists um, uh, at, in in the twenty twenty season. And you, you you can argue it's because he had Kyle Pitts in the same offense, but. I, I, he was he wasn't the one throwing. Uh, Kyle Pitts wasn't the one throwing the passes to him. It was Mr. Kyle Trask, and I think he he's going to be a stud. And I think any any team that that gets him, and I think any team that uh, that uh, makes a calculated risk for for drafting the quarterback like that, I, I I think it's going to pay dividends. So. All all the talk in in the, in the, in in the NFL draft uh, has been about the five quarterbacks. You know where Trevor Lawrence is going. You know where Zach Wilson's going. I still I I think Mr. Mac Jones is going to land with San Francisco at number three because uh, because the Shanahan offense suggests that that, that you have a pocket passer. Um, as a quarterback, and and rely on on the speed and athleticism of the rest of the offense to 
to to generate points for the offense. So I I think Mac Jones is going uh, is going to go, uh, go number three, and and that now then the then the waiting game is, is going is going to be seen with with Trey Lance and Justin Fields, and it, it, is the Washington football team going to trade up and and, and take a quarterback? Are the New England Patriots going are going to trade for, uh, a, a, a for a, 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 a for a first a, 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 a rookie quarterback, or are are they going to to pull the trigger and bring Jimmy Garoppolo back from the 49ers? I I think that there are a lot, you know, a, a lot of possibilities here when when you look at the quarterbacks and. And I and I think teams are going to be pressed to find their franchise quarterbacks this this year in the NFL draft because because there aren't any distinguished NFL quarterbacks that that are going to be available in next year's draft or we we don't know of any any slam dunk draft choices for for quarterbacks in in next year's draft. So I think teams are going to uh, to be extra motivated, like the New England Patriots, like the Washington football team. Maybe a team like the Denver Broncos trades up. So I I think and 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 I'll, I'll, I'll again I said I'll give you my my, my takes in the NFL mock draft next week and 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 I'll and I'll mark everything up. Leading up to it, and gave you the thirty-two first-round picks as I did last year. So it's going to be. I think the first round. I think it's going to tell a lot about where the franchises are going in the future in the National Football League. Okay, so I want to get into a few topics with Major League Baseball, and the the first one is. The single best rivalry in 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 Major League Baseball right now, the L.A. Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. And l- l- last week, I, I I watched the game. I I, I stayed up until uh, I I stayed up until three o'clock uh, on Saturday morning uh, last week to watch the end of that sensational. The first game between the Dodgers and the Padres, back back and forth. The Do- Do- Dodgers take an early early. Tatis uh, hits a home home run in, in his third at bat, coming off a potential uh, off a shoulder injury. Th- then the Dodgers come back and and take the lead, and then it, it go- goes back and forth. Both teams score runs in the ninth. There were uh, lead changes, but then Corey Seager. Um, hits a go-ahead two-run homer in in the in the top of the twelfth. The, the Dodgers score three more runs after that, and and they wind up winning the game, uh, eleven to six. But I but I want to look at at at, at all the games and the and the, the second game was a tremendous p- pitching duel between uh between Yu Darvish and Clayton Kershaw. Uh, it was a two nothing game, but Mookie Betts. Makes a sensational catch with the game on the line to to seal that one for the Dodgers and 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 that that, that then the finale of the series the Padres were able to to snap out of it with um uh, with with clutch hitting and 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 a rally in the bottom of the eighth inning to get to get past the Dodgers, but. All three games felt like playoff games. It they felt like vintage Yankees Red Sox with, with the, the Dodgers playing the role of, of the of the of the mighty Yankees, the mighty evil empire Yankees, and, and the Padres playing playing the role of pre two thousand four Red Sox with with everybody rooting for them and. And wanted them to win a championship, and and the Padres had, ju- had just come off their first ever no hitter in franchise history. Joe Musgrove d- did that against the the Texas Rangers, and 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 so, and so, but the Dodgers and the Padres, you you can argue, are the the the, the two most talented teams in all of baseball. That the 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 Dodgers had the best record in the majors with at fourteen and four uh, going into this big four game series. And how how about the pitching matchups for for the four games? You have the the base. You basically have the, the same pitching matchups as you had in the last series. Ryan, Ryan Weathers against Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw against you Darvish on Friday night to, uh, uh, of tomorrow night. That's going to be sensational. 
Saturday you have a rematch of Blake Snell and Trevor Bauer. That that's going to be sensational. And then Joe Musgrove against um it's Joe, Joe Musgrove against Dustin May on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. This is going to be a tremendous series, and the, the these are four. Once again, the, this is must see TV. The two teams do not like each other, but the series uh, series last weekend pro- proved another point where uh, uh, that, that I've been screaming about for the last uh, you know twelve to eighteen months. Who's beating the Dodgers in a seven-game playoff series? Who's beating the Dodgers in a five-game series? There were guys on the Dodgers that aren't mainstream or household like Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. But then, the entire approach the Dodgers took reminded me of the 90s Yankees. Derek Jeter taking nine pitch walks. Bernie Williams, Tina Martinez, Paul O'Neill. You you have guys like Mookie Betts, the first uh, the first plate appearance of the series on Friday night against Ryan Weathers. Eh, nine pitch walk to start the game. And th- then you have guys like Luke Luke Rayleigh who uh, d- who draws a, n- a nine pitch at bat. Although he grounded out in that instance to end the inning, but pff, next at bat, <laughs> home run. Corey Seager ten pitch at bat. Ryan Weathers, those three and two thirds scoreless innings, seven, but seventy nine pitches in three and two thirds innings, not knocks him out of the game because because of the pitch count. Do, do you know? Do you know what 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 the Dodgers do and the uh, and the Padres don't do as well? And do you know why the Dodgers are clearly ahead of the pack in ter- in terms of the best team in baseball? They might have, they might have the talent, and and make no mistake about it, the Dodgers and Padres have tremendous talents. With Machado, Tatis Jr., Will Myers, who who I've always loved more than most, Eric Hosmer, who who, who came up big in that uh, in that series as well for San Diego, and the, and the Dodgers have guys like Corey Seager, Justin Turner, who by the way home run uh, to make it make a one nothing game, a two nothing game in the ninth inning against. The Padres on Saturday night, but then you have guys like Luke Rayleigh, Zach McKinstry, Edwin Rios, du- <laughs> Dustin May, Julio Urias. Uh, that that they're contributing in so many ways. The Dodgers do the little things right. The Dodgers do the things you're supposed to do as a championship-winning team. The Dodgers have shown. The, uh, show Major League Baseball uh, the first three weeks of the season. Why they're the defending World Series champions? And and and, and you look what the Dodgers did this off season. Eh, they threw in Corey Knebel in the bullpen, although Knebel did not come up big in, in Friday night's game uh, and allowed the Padres to uh, to come back and tie it. You 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 have they 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 threw in Trevor Bauer to what was already the league's best rotation. And and have three aces with Kershaw, Bauer, and and Bueller. The Dodgers are a machine. The Dodgers are are the Dodgers are like the are the Lakers and and, and the Lakers are going to be Anthony Davis back tonight uh, for the Dodgers game uh, for the for the, for the, for the Lakers and that's the first step to the Lakers being back to uh, being back to the class of the West. But the Dodgers, they, 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 they have the best lineup in baseball. They have the best rotation, uh, in my view, in baseball. I, I, I think the Brewers have a legitimate case of fat. The, the, I would argue the Dodgers have the best bullpen in baseball. I think, I think the Padres and Brewers have, have serious cases against that. But, but look, 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 look at what the Dodgers do. Look, look at the quality and depth. That, that 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 they have, and and, and their willingness to contribute, and 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 back to Luke Bailey, C- Cody Bellinger, uh, on, on the eve of the of the first Dodgers Padres series last week, it was announced that, that that Cody Bellinger had a fractured fibula. Eh, Luke Luke Bailey places him in the lineup. Eh, he contributes. How is anybody being the Dodgers? Seriously. As as long as they as long as uh, as long as the the big guns of Betts, Kershaw, and Bueller stay healthy, 
Who's beating the uh, Who's beating the Dodgers? That that's the question I want you to ask. Who's beating the Dodgers? Anyway, but, uh, uh, but let's go to uh, let's stay in the West and talk about the Oakland A's and. The Oakland A's are, uh, are on an 11-game winning streak, and they, they reached 11 as part of a dramatic game against the Minnesota Twins on Wednesday. Matt Olsen hit a couple of home runs, and, and the, the A's rallied back from a, uh, from a two-run deficit in the bottom of the 10th to beat the Twins. And I, I was kind of critical of, of Oakland this offseason because of uh, of the of the moves they made and, and and who they let go with guys like Marcus Simeon, guys like Liam Hendricks were let go because of the team's budget. But but th- th- there are guys uh, on, on on Oakland that, that that deserves so much credit and praise and and Matt Olson, who by the way is my is is my fantasy baseball first baseman. Um. Uh, he he he's gotten hot over over the last uh, last couple of days against the Twins, so th- th- there there is a, a lot to, to unpack for uh, for uh, the the Oakland A's. But I want to pull up uh, s- s- some of the names on uh, on the A's depth chart, and, and you and you tell me how to how to think of this with uh, with, with the, the the way they're contributing. So, like Jed Lowry, Jed Lowry did not play, barely touch the field for the Mets last couple of years because because of Jeff Wilpon, Brody Van Wagner having no clue how, how how to handle him. But Matt Olson has been uh, you can argue he's been the hottest bat in baseball the last week. Mitch Moreland has been tremendous. I really, I really like Mitch Moreland and 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 he he's contributed. And, and how about in, in that rotation? Sean Manaya has been excellent. Chris Bassett has been very good. So has Frankie Montas and Cole Irvin. Lou Trevino has done an excellent job. Uh, Jake Diekman has done an excellent job as well. The the, the bullpen as a whole ha- has ha- has been very good as uh, d- during during their long winning streak. So i i think uh, the the oakland a's uh in, in my view not the houston astros i i think the a's are are a viable threat to anybody and uh, bob melvin continues to do a phenomenal job on a uh, on a year a year in year out basis and and, and how and, and how about uh, the a's of front office continually finding ways uh to find winning players with, with, without much uh, uh without much of a budget that that is tremendous, and the, and 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 they're they're on a seven game road trip uh, uh, this coming week. They have a, a three game series against the Baltimore Orioles, and I don't think it's going to be an easy series because uh, John Means and Matt Harvey are pitching for Baltimore in, in, in the series, and th- then they have a four game series against the Tampa Bay Rays, and they haven't seen the Rays since they got knocked out of the wild card round in in twenty nineteen, and. and 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 the, and the Rays are gonna be, are gonna throw out their best pitchers. Um, uh, uh, it look, looks like with Glass now, Yarbrough and Hill as well. So it, it, this this thing is not going to be easy by any stretch of the, of the imagination for the Oakland A's. But if if I if I was to, to power rank uh, the uh, the division uh, going forward, I would put the Angel. I st- I still like the Angels' chances with. A healthy Chad, a healthy Otani, and healthy Pools. Th- th- then, then Oakland, then Houston, then Seattle, then Texas. That that's how I would power rank uh, the the division right now. That and the the A's are, are are probably going to be one of the more inconsistent teams, but I I think uh, they're going to find more ways to win than more ways to lose going forward. And finally. It's uh, uh, have have we grown sick and tired of uh, of of guys interfering with the process? Because that's what's basically happening with the New York Yankees, and 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 the the Yankees had lofty expectations before the season, and a lot of people pinned the Yankees as the American League's representative in the World Series, but. 
it, it is uh, it, uh, what what the Yankees have been doing and, and hitting wise has been anything other than distinguished. And I'll I'll give you some numbers of for for the New York Yankees of, of uh, in, in terms of averages because uh, 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 because of the unevenness of games played so far. So batting average as a team, two fifteen last. Slugging percentage as a team last. OPS last. Run scored last. Um, it's a, it's the the only team without a sacrifice fly this season last. And, and this despite the the Yankees pitching uh being being excellent as usual. The the Yankees bullpen. Has been phenomenal to start the season. The role is Chapman, of uh, f- uh, five scoreless innings so far in the season. J- Jonathan Lewiska has been excellent. Fred Chad Green and Luis Cesar each have pitched uh, about ten innings and have only given up one, one earned run each. The Yankees bullpen has been amazing to start the season. Uh, but if the Yankees are going to go anywhere, and again. That th- these things are subject to correction. That you know, you're not going to have three. Uh, you're not going to have five relief pitchers have a sub two ERA uh, the the whole season. And and but 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 with that in mind, the rotation has not not been up to par. And and and, and I'll give you some of the team batting average. Uh, some of the player batting averages for for the Yankees. Glaber Torres 186, and his defense has been dreadful. Uh, Clint Frazier batting 175, Aaron Hicks batting 154, and, and I'm a guy that likes Aaron Hicks more than most. But the seven-year contract that Brian Cashman came, uh, gave out is turning out to be a, a disaster. John Carlos Stan uh, is batting 158, but but you know who has the single best batting average on the team? Uh, who was on the active roster? Cal Higashioka batting three oh eight. Right now, if I if I was to start a catcher between Gary Sanchez and Kyle Higashioka, do you know who I would start? Kyle Higashioka. Gary Sanchez has not homered uh, since the second game of the season. He he had a home run on opening day. He had a home run on uh, the uh, the second day in, in uh, when, when the Yankees won, but he hasn't homered since. So, so then, my, my question is: Is who's responsible for this? Is it Brian Cashman who who has has refused to to, to take the nod of the fun New York Yankees team of 2017, where where they had the baby bombers? But but here here's some some more issues for the Yankees and 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 who who will comprise the baby bombers of uh, that that were so much fun to watch in in 2017 with uh with Aaron Judge is now 29 years old. Uh Gary Sanchez is now 28. Glaber Torres uh, right now he's uh, he, he is 24 years old. And then Clint Frazier is twenty six. Gio Urshela is twenty nine, but but Aaron Hicks is thirty one. Th- th- this is getting uh, this is, this is getting to be embarrassing for, for for the New York Yankees. So I I, I but the Yankees' approach has to change. Their effort has to change. Their defense has to change. Their uh, their approach to the play has to change. But other other than that, it's a pretty good team. But and I told some of my friends who are Yankee fans uh, last week that there are three things the Yankees can't do. They can't hit, they can't pitch, and they can't field. Other than that, they're a pretty damn good baseball team. They cannot hit, they cannot pitch, they cannot field. Otherwise, they're a pretty good baseball team. That that That's the New York Yankees. And they are an absolute gutless punchline right now. And, and, you'll, and, and I think it's be- the best encapsulation... Was the Yankees' uh, pathetic and an undistinguished effort on uh, last Friday night in that game against the Rays? You know, I was watching b- b- baseball that night because the Mets game was snowed out in Denver. I was watching the Yankees, and and then I was watching, uh, and and then I immediately tuned in on my laptop to watch the Padres Dodgers series and, and that incredible game. 
do, do, do the Yankees want to want to be the Yankees that win championships? I'll give you a suggestion. Watch the Dodgers. They do the damn things right. The, they, they they get on base. They they, they move runners over in in in, in the in sacrifice situations. They they they, they pitch. They 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 go deep in the games. They hit with runners in scoring position. The Yankees can't do that right now. The Yankees, and and I, and this is why I did not take the cheese on, on the Yankees going to the World Series. I I've argued that 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 the Chicago White Sox are, are to me are the be, are the are the team to beat in the American League, and I think I I think uh, that that assessment when you compare the two, the two teams. I think it's going to be the correct situation. I think it's going to be right on on the White Sox chances over the Yankees, and right and and right now the the Boston Red Sox that they've been a tremendous baseball team and they lead the major leagues and runs scored. So uh, so the, the Yankees eventually are going to are going to find their way back because uh, because you know it's the nature of a 162 game season, and and, and normally you don't want to panic. Right away, because Ned Yost said to um, to Casey Stern on on, on the on Sirius XM MLB Network, uh, Sirius XM MLB Network uh, channel the other night that that you t- typically assess the roster after the forty games, but but right right now the Yankees are six and eleven, their worst start since nineteen ninety one. And 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 to and to put anything into more consideration for the New York Yankees, that they are tied with the Twins with uh, uh, for the worst record in the, in the American League. The Twins just got swept in Oakland. The Yan- Yankees split uh, with, with the Atlanta Braves, and one of those wins was because of a passed ball by Travis Darno. So and 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 they're five games behind Boston uh, in in the standings. So. But right now, the Yan- the Yankees to me are absolute unmitigated disaster, and that'll do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. I can't wait to get into the NFL mo- my my one round mock draft next week. But until then, this is John Flynn saying so long, and remember to follow me on Twitter at John Flynn ninety seven. The Hooked on Sports Twitter is at Hooked underscore on Sports. Instagrams are at Hooked on Sports and at JFlizzy. So be, be sure to tune into those. And thank you so very much for, uh, for listening in this week. My name is John Flynn, and I'll, be, I'll see you again next week. So long, everybody.